Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today, my friend Lacey Abercrombie is on the show today, and I explain in the conversation that you're going to hear how we met and how much I adore and love her, and honestly, I ghosted her. Yes, I ghosted her. I didn't mean to. I just got carried away, and I ghosted her. Thankfully, she's kind, and she is now my friend, even after the unfortunate thing of me ignoring her. I did not mean to do that. You guys, this summer, we're doing all these series called Encounter, and I really want to hear people's encounters with Jesus. And this is the last one of the month, and we're going to continue on into the month of July. And I get a little teary-eyed in every single one of these conversations, and even when I think about them, because I think about the fact that this is such a reminder for those of us that are followers of Jesus. These shows are a constant reminder that God is coming after his people, that this Holy Spirit, that he's on the move. And then as we have relationships with people, we get to show them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And Lacey's story is is no different than that. She had someone in her life, a close relative, I'll let you hear her story, who really told her about Jesus and it changed her life forever. And if you're listening to the show and you've showed up on the happy hour and you don't know about this Jesus guy, man, my prayer is that you just hear conversations between me and my guests this summer and you get to hear from them what Jesus has done in their life. And as I always say, listen, if you need a Bible and you live here in the United States, it's really easy for me to ship you one if you live here. We'd love to send you a Bible. Just send us an email, jamie at jamieivy.com. We'll get you a Bible in the mail. Guys, when you're listening to this show, I just landed last night back in Austin, Texas for my trip to Uganda. My daughter's story went with me and I cannot wait to share with you about our trip to Uganda with our friends that put on the conference, Therefore, and our friend Katie at Amazama. Ah, I'm just giddy. I'm actually recording this right now, the day I leave. And so it's so weird to think that you're going to be listening to this the day I get back. All right, friends, last thing before we jump in is I also want to say this. If you don't follow me on Instagram, um, I have some big news that we're sharing this week on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy over on Instagram. And if you're a newsletter subscriber, you already know the good, the big news because we told you guys a couple weeks ago, but we're going to talk about it this weekend. I'll give you a little clue. It's with my friend Tony Collier and my friend Lisa Whittle. We have some really big news. Again, you might have seen it in the newsletter. You might have even heard about it on here already, but... If you join us on Instagram, we're going to talk about it. We're actually doing Instagram Live this weekend where we talk about um, our trip to, I feel like you know, I feel like you know, so I shouldn't even tell you, but it's a trip to the Holy Land. You do not want to miss this trip we're talking about this weekend over on Instagram. Friends, before we jump into hearing today's encounter story, I want to take a moment to share the story of another life changed through the gospel by the intentional generosity of a listener just like you. Four-year-old Tattoo loves running around the gardens through the rows of beautiful flowers. Most of the time, Wayan, Tattoo's mother, is the one who mends the garden. Her husband is working somewhere else on the employer's land. In the cold, misty weather of Moonduke Village, just three hours' drive from the hustle and bustle of downtown Bali, there lives a community of subsistence farmers who languish in poverty. 
They toiled day in and day out growing vegetables, fruits, hydrangea flowers. They can't benefit from their harvest because the plot of land is owned by the employer, except for the flowers, which are sold in the market for 10 cents per kilogram. The meager income makes it hard for Wei Yan to feed her family. She says, there were some days that I just couldn't give them any food, that I just had to wait. Tattoo is the family's youngest child. His older siblings also work as garden laborers. None of them studied beyond elementary school. While the Indonesian government gives free tuition for children enrolled in state high schools, there are other costs to pay for, such as textbooks, school supplies, uniforms, and especially difficult for Wayne's family, transportation. The state school is located so far away from their home that it would require a personal vehicle to get there. In Bali's rural areas, there's no such thing as public transportation. We couldn't meet the cost for our children to continue their school, said Wayan. We couldn't afford it. So their older three children chose their path that their parents took to not go to school and work in the fields instead. But Tatu's choices are already different. He is a registered child at a compassion center in Munduk. Here, Tatu gets to go to school, eat nutritious meals, receive medical care when he needs it, and learn the gospel of Jesus Christ. This provides a ray of hope for Wayan's family to see Tatu given an opportunity to pursue her higher education and build a better life. I love that Compassion International is helping him do this. In fact, their whole mantra is that they work to release children from poverty in Jesus' name through its one-on-one child sponsorships. You guys, my family has been sponsoring children through Compassion for over 15 years. We have seen the fruits of that as some of the kids that we have sponsored have graduated from the program. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, your $43 a month will provide food, clean water, education, medical and dental checkups, and above all else, the ability to learn about Jesus and flourish through the local church. But your Compassion sponsorship, it doesn't just provide for the needs of the child. Compassion cares for the whole family and their community. There are more than 100,000 children awaiting sponsorship. It's a lot of kids, and I'm happy to say that the listeners of The Happy Hour, you have partnered with Compassion throughout the past few years, accounting for more than 500 sponsorships through this podcast. We want to add to this number throughout our Summer Encounter series with a goal of 200 new sponsorships. If you want to join us, partner with Compassion in bringing hope to a child today, simply text Ivy Media to 833-93. That's Ivy Media, I-V-E-Y Media to 833-93. Or go to Compassion.com slash Ivy Media. The link's always in the show notes where we put all the links every time. It's Compassion.com slash Ivy Media. Together, you and I can partner with the global church to give transformational hope to families around the world. Now, here is my conversation with Lacey Abercrombie. Lacey, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am over the moon excited to have you on. And I want to tell everybody that right before you got on, you were on a walk. And (laughs) this is the month of June. And the month of June, I have dedicated 30 minutes outside every day for the month of June. And now... Full disclosure, we're recording on June 6th. So far, I'm six for six. I'm like <laughs> doing hey, well. That's, that's something to be proud of, yeah. This show comes out on the 28th. I hope to be able to say I'm 28 for 28. You will be. Okay, do you like walking? I love walking. Tell me why. Um, well, I mean, I feel like it's A, the best way to start your day is outside because we need the sun. 
um, I've realized like my mental health, the quality of my life just improves so much when I'm outside. Um, so every morning I like to start my day off with a walk. I get up, obviously we live in Texas, so the heat starts at like four o'clock in the morning. I'm sure how that's Mm -hmm. possible, but I try to wake up around seven, be on my walk at seven 30. And I usually try to walk for 30 minutes to an hour. And I feel like, yeah, I just, it's a good time for me to either listen to a podcast or worship music or nothing at all. And just talk to the Lord. And it's like, literally, I'm not kidding. has improved the quality of my life. It starts your day off so good. I love it so much. So I love walking just in general. My neighborhood is beautiful. So I love that. It's kind of in the country. So it's not like bustling city. I listen to podcasts mostly, but every once in a while, I'll either accidentally or on purpose every once in a while, leave my headphones at home. And then I'm forced to be in my thoughts, maybe be in my feelings, maybe talk to the Lord. And so what'd you listen to today? Uh, I listened to Becoming Something with John- Jonathan Pakluda. Um, and then I, one of the ones I like love to listen to is Lisa Harper's Back Porch Theology. I just love listening to that. So I listened to that yesterday. This morning, I listened to Becoming Something. Two great shows. Love both of those yeah. people dearly, dearly, dearly. Okay. I want you to introduce yourself to my listeners before we jump in to hear your encounter story. Awesome. Well, I'm Lacey. And... Um, I'm 30 and I'm from Texas. It's just like, I feel like every time I introduce myself, I'm like, it sounds like I'm introducing myself as like my dating profile. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, give us your dating profile. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm single. I like to go for long walks in the morning at 7am before the sun is out and too hot. Um, I love coffee. My favorite drink is the good morning from tribal all day cafe. Um, And I love Jesus. (laughs) Okay, I want to set the backstage for how we met each other. Somehow, like it is in the the day that we live in, we connected on the internet. Okay, like we both work on the internet. It is yeah. a weird a weird time to be alive, right? So we connected, Agreed. and I was like, I really am intrigued by this girl, and I really like her. And so I said, Hey, you should come on the happy hour, <laughs> and then. Like nothing ever happened because I never really like invited you. It was like a, a, a kind of throw out invite. Did you feel like I ghosted you? Oh, yeah. Were you sad? I was devastated. Well, here's here's the thing. I've always been a Jamie Ivey fan. And before I was a Jamie Ivey fan, I was an Aaron Ivey fan because he leads worship Austin Stone and I love him. So, but I have always loved Jamie Ivey and everybody loves Jamie Ivey, obviously. If you're listening, you get it. Um, but I was like such a huge fan. And then when you messaged me, I like screenshotted it and like sent it to my whole phone book. I was like, guys, everybody stay calm. Jamie Ivy messaged me and she invited me on our podcast. And then everyone's like, so did you go on? <laughs> I was like, never heard from her again. <laughs> I have already apologized to you about that. And in, in, in our yeah. real life where I could look you in the yeah. eyes and hold your hands. Um, yeah. But I think it's a funny story. So then, love, hey, love keeps no record of wrong. There you go. Girl. And then in the spring, we were at. This sounds really cool. Like I, I've never done this. I probably will never do this again in my time. We were at Me a red carpet premiere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hello, and um, we ran into, we reconnected there, and then we were at uh, Lisa Harper's uh, Kerygma, uh conference. Yep. In the spring. And so we've reconnected, and so now we are like real life friends. And I will not ghost you yeah. anymore. Like. We have each other's phone numbers. We're friends. Thank you, guys. It's so, yeah, so happy. We are. So happy. I don't know if I ever told you this. When we were at that red carpet event, you know, I had my son, Caden, there. And yes. I was 
like weirdly super nervous about not what to wear. Okay. So I'm like, I don't know what to wear, whatever. And so I bring something chill. Like I, I bought brand new pants from, you know. Yeah. You looked amazing. Okay. I got brand new pants. Where'd I get them? Anthropology, I think. Yep. I see your story with you and your friend and you guys looked phenomenal. You guys had dresses on. You looked stunning. And I showed it to my son, Caden. And I said, Caden, I'm going to say out loud what I say to friends all the time. Show up and be you. But I'm saying it to myself. Like, because I felt yeah. like you guys looked amazing. And I looked, eh, you know, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was a moment where I was like, you know what? Just t take on the advice you tell everyone else. And so. Totally. I had that moment and you didn't even know about it, but there it is. Well, you know, what's funny is I had the same moment about you where I saw your outfit and your hair and makeup. And I literally thought to myself, oh, I'm way overdoing this. And I wish I was wearing what she's wearing. <laughs> and you, you know, didn't even know that. This is a conversation that happens or that needs to happen more and to say out loud is that so many times we're in our head and here's the thing everyone's thinking the same thing or I'll take this totally. is what my husband tells me all the time Jamie people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you and so so true no one thought anything about you or I when we walked it no one thought like ooh, overdress huh, underdress no one was talking about us it was all in our head nope yep we were we were the only ones thinking about that at that we time. We were the only ones thinking about it. Um, yeah. Anyhow, okay. Now, I want to talk to you because um, we're in the middle of this encounter series, and we do this through the month of June and July every year. And honestly, Lacey, it is probably one of my top favorite things about being a podcaster is this series that we yeah. do in the summer because I really am inviting people on and just saying, hey, tell me about how you met Jesus. Like, Tell me how he changed your life and tell me what that looked like. And so- it's really just you getting to open up and tell us your story. So I want I start everywhere is like, what did your relationship with faith look like growing up? And then tell me the story of what led you to following Jesus and deciding that he's worth it. I love that. Yeah. So um, my parents got divorced when I was seven months old. So I always start my story off with that because I was born into dysfunction and um, which is a lot of people's story, uh, divorced parents. And my um, my, both of my parents are great people and, um, I know that they did the best they could, but yeah, seven months old. Um, my mom is on her fourth marriage. My dad just got out of his fifth and, um, I have two older brothers. So I'm 30 and they're 31 and 32 and they are six foot six and six foot eight. They're giants. Um, seven months old, they got divorced. My mom had, um, custody of us. Uh, for the most part, my dad, we they had, I guess, split custody. So every other weekend, we would see my dad if he showed up. And uh, my dad has been a functioning alcoholic my entire life. Um, I do not remember a day uh, without him drinking. And when my mom got remarried after my dad, she married a man who was very involved in the church. And so I was about three years old. So they were married from the time I was three until I was probably six, three to five, um, really young. And this was my first experience with really the church um, that I can remember. And, um, he was really involved in church and every single night he had two kids and every single night we would all like get together and hold hands and say the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, I'm just like this tiny little grand, like thy kingdom come, thy will be done. <laughs> you know, Hey, but heaven was, heaven was with me. But anyway, so I was praying these prayers and, um, this man ended up being the man that 
physically abused my mom. Mm -hmm. And so my mom's a survivor of domestic violence and she's amazing and one of my heroes. Um, But he, um, it was brutal, Mm. brutal. And when you're so young, um, wow, I never get emotional about this, but for some reason I am today. Um, But when you're so young and you uh, see that kind of abuse in front of you, mixed with Mm -hmm. somebody who is supposed to love God and be a picture Mm -hmm. of the church. And that's what marriage ultimately is. And you're so, I'm so young. I just remember being very confused by that. And both of my brothers to this day will not set foot back inside of a church because of Mm -hmm. that experience. Um, I believe one day they will, but that is, that is, it it marked them forever. It marked you. I mean, you know, it's like you're sitting there and you're hearing, it's like just someone speaking out of both sides of their mouth. And when you do that with the church, it's really, really hard. Yeah. And it was really harmful. And I look back and I'm like, that was a a very, um, just an ugly picture of the church Mm -hmm. and an ugly picture of uh, a a mis a misconstrued picture of who God is Mm -hmm. and how much he loves us. And so, um, his son, uh, the man who my mom was married to. So my stepbrother, um, ended up abusing both my brothers and I, um, and again, you're just young and you're experiencing, um, you're experiencing abuse yourself. And then you're watching abuse happen and just being this tiny little kid, having no idea what any of it meant, but then knowing every single night before bed, we're going to pray to this God that is supposed to be in heaven and Mm -hmm. be watching us. You know what I mean? Hallowed be that name. Like Mm -hmm. your kingdom come, your will be done. And I just was like, I don't know. So is this the will of God? And so um, that was our experience when we were really young. My, um, my mom ended up divorcing him and uh, got remarried again. And um, to another man who was just, he was controlling. So he controlled their finances and what she wore. And so I had this picture of womanhood. My mom kind of painted for me that she was very strong like very strong and has ex- has just gone through so much, but a very low sense of self-worth and value. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of became me. And um, growing up was just, I just didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't think God loved me or was capable of loving somebody like me. So when I was 10 years old, we moved in with my dad. And this was huge. Um, 10 years old is like a pivotal time in a young woman's life. I was in the fifth grade. Um, my body was changing. <laughs> my hormones were going nutso. And I just had no idea what was going on with my body. And I, I think in that time, I really would have preferred to stay with my mom because my mom taught me everything about yeah. my body. But instead, um, it was just financially not good mm-hmm. a situation. And so we, uh, my brothers and I chose to live with my dad and um, in that time, my older brothers were football stars. So they were just stars of the football team everywhere we went. They're huge. So they were always on the O-line, just mm-hmm. big, humongous guys that were just stars. And my dad just loved football and he still loves football. And so he was just very much catering to my brothers and understandably so they're dudes and that's mm-hmm. what dudes do. Um, but to me, I, it's so funny because now in my adult life, I look back, I'm like, that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that My dad didn't like catered to me, but he did cater to that. And so, um, my whole life, like from the time I was 10 until I graduated high school and even beyond that, I was like just chasing my dad's affirmation. I'm like, Oh, just please be proud of me. Um, and I never felt like he was. And so, um, 10 years old was just a huge year for me. It was the first time that somebody told me that my cheeks were big. Um, it was the first time I'd looked at myself in a way that was, was like, Oh, 
am I, do, am I overweight? Like, do, do I need to change something about myself? I'm 10. Like I was a mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. I should have been like focusing on like Lizzie McGuire, but right. I was like, <laughs> I have big cheeks. Mm. And, um, so that was the first time I experienced, um, uh, withholding food. And then, uh, it was the first time I viewed pornography when I was 10. Um, 10 years old was just a huge year for me and it would spiral me into six years of an eating disorder. Um, it would spiral me into self-harm and an addiction to pornography that would last 11 years. So by the time I was 16 years old, I had um, an eating disorder. Uh, I was self-harming. I was addicted to porn and I had tried to take my own life three times. Mm. And um, when I tell you that it was like the, like I was the most desperate of desperate, yeah. I could have, anybody could have offered me any kind of hope and I would have taken it. Yeah. But my whole, really my whole life had felt like everybody had made my pain about them. So my dad sat me down after the third and final time I tried to take my own life. He sat me down and he had, I used to wear this big wooden bangle around my wrist that would hide my self-harm. And he had it by his bedside and he calls me in his room. He's like, do you know why I have this by my bedside? And I said, no. And he said to remind myself how much I failed as a father. And I just remember in that moment thinking like, I wish you would just see me mm. and not make this about you being a bad dad, but about how bad your kid is hurting. Mm. And so all my life, I think I just really wanted someone to lock eyes with me and say like, I love you. I care for you. Like I, I, I like you're my kid. And I just, I just didn't feel like I had that. And so at 16, I moved in with my grandma because <laughs> my dad said that I was just too much for him. He's like, this is too much for me. And Looking back, I just want to make sure I always honor my dad because I have so much love and compassion for him. Um, His mom passed away when he was 10 and his dad physically abused him. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt that my dad did the best he could his whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just want to honor him for sure and honor my mom. They're just incredible people. But um, it just for me as a young emotional girl, it's like I just needed something. And so I move in with my grandma who Joyce Marie Seals was the most Jesus loving, God fearing, gospel, Gaither, homecoming, loving woman. And I did not want to move in with her because I thought I was Avril Lavigne. And I was like, I was <laughs> literally just angry. Uh-huh. And I was like, why do you have to go and make things so complicated? I don't want to move in with you, you crazy woman. I'm so grateful um, that I did because um for the first few days, we didn't really talk much. I thought she was going to talk my ear off about the gospel like she always did, but we didn't really talk much. And on the third day, she comes in and she's like, hey, have something I want you to read. No pressure, but I'm just going to leave it here. And if you want to read it, you can. If not, no big deal. And she walked out. And I remember thinking like, she is so chill. <laughs> she is so cool. <laughs> and uh, it was the Bible and it was open specifically to Psalm 139. And I love writing and poetry and literature and English. And I always have. And I just remember reading about how every single hair on my head was counted and every day of my life was planned out before I breathed a single breath and that God's thoughts about me outnumbered the grains of sand. And whenever I wake up, he's still with me. And even if I, even whenever I went to the depth, so even when I wanted to die, God was, I was like reading and I was like, there is no way that somebody loves me this much and not just somebody, but the creator of the entire universe sees me and loves me and thinks about me. I'm like, nobody thinks about me. And it was like heaven, that earth. And I just was like, I want to know this God personally. And so, um, my grandma shared the gospel with me. I said, yes. I was like, I want to, I want to know Jesus. And, um, she got out this journal 
and my grandma would always journal in red pen. And so she like, she's like, I want to show you something. I was like, great. It's horrible red pen. It was so ugly. And she gets it out and she shows me and it said, um, when my mom was pregnant with me, my nanny had journaled and said, the woman or the, the baby inside of Amy's belly is going to be a missionary and tell thousands of people about Jesus. And two things. First of all, what do you call your grandma? Nanny. Okay. First of all, nanny was journaling before journaling was cool. I need to say that nanny. She's so slay. Second of all, nanny went and found that journal where she had written down that about you. And then she was able to open a Bible and have you read Psalm 139. She was able to tell you the gospel and able to be there when you started following Jesus. I'm done. It, no, I'm also done. <laughs> the fact that she had the journal ready because she knew I was going to accept Jesus. Like she was so prayed up is what I tell people. I'm like, she was like, I'm almost positive that my nanny walked hand in hand with God. Like, I, I think she literally went on walks with him, like holding his hand. Like she just was so prayed up and knew what I needed. And like, God had showed her what I needed and she gave it to me. And it was like, whenever I, after I like read and went into her room, I always tell people that's the first time that I like physically met Jesus because when we hugged, it was like, she was waiting for me to come home. God was waiting for me to come home. It was like, I just was like, just, yeah, <laughs> undone, really. Undone. At just the idea that I, <laughs> yeah. Is Nanny still with us? <laughs> she isn't. She passed away about eight years ago. Um, but she just, and I, you know, I wish I, I was telling someone yesterday, I wish that I would have taken advantage of the time I had with her and sat and learned from her. Uh, because I didn't love Jesus as much as I love Jesus now when I was yeah, 16. For sure. Um, I just, oh, if I could go back in time, I would have just sat with her and just ate up every word she said. But I'm so grateful because she led me to the Lord. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. We dwell on a lot in our lives. We dwell on some problems. We dwell on the past. We often wake up first thing in the morning and our minds are already dwelling on it, whatever it could be of our crazy schedules, worrying about our health, tough periods of parenting, sadness over loss, the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes it seems impossible to do anything but dwell on it. That is why dwell was created because we can dwell differently. Dwell is a Bible memorization tool. You can easily memorize one Bible verse for every month. One of my favorite ones that we have memorized so far is Romans 12, 12, which says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And in fact, I keep the tag that they send me on my key ring and so I can look through them. And just today I pulled that up and said that verse out loud. Dwell offers memberships that starting at $9.95 per month. Some of the memorization tools that you get include temporary tattoos, vinyl stickers, art prints. You guys, this is a great, great, great thing for families to have, for teenagers to have, to help with little kids. Go to dwelldifferently.com. Use code JAMIE15 for 15% discount on a prepaid membership. That's dwelldifferently.com. I say this every time I hear someone's story about when they start following Jesus. There are obviously times where people like randomly find a Bible and then they read it. I mean, I remember my friend Holly Hayes, who's been on the show before, like she stole a Bible from the library and then she was like in a bathroom reading it. You know what I mean? And so there's definitely those (laughs) stories. But the majority of stories that I hear is someone told them the good news of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. it it always like gets me all up in my feelings because – like that's all of us. Like that's you now to somebody and that's me now to somebody. And my prayer with these encounter series, even that is that like your story gets to meet somebody right where they are. Yeah. Um, okay. So 16 nanny teaches you about this. Um, and you accept Jesus, you hug nanny. Yeah. You feel like I'm God's calling me home. Nanny's been a part of this, yeah. all the things. <laughs> But what you and I both know is true, and I know because I did the math, your life didn't just all of a sudden go like, awesome, this is great. I'm no longer self-harming. I no longer have suicidal ideation. I no longer am looking at pornography. And again, God can do that. Um, But I know that that's not how it worked in your life. So what was life like following Jesus? I'll say from like 16 to 21, which is where I think that you kind of had maybe another, Mm -hmm. another change. So what was that like there? Um, yeah, well, I eventually had to move back in with my dad because of school zones and stuff like that. So I had to move back in and you go back to the chaos that you already were under. And it's like, you go back to the same, like, I was like, okay, well, I know God is real, but where is he? Mm. I wasn't really, uh, I, I think discipleship, this is why my, my whole life is just dedicated to -to face-to-face discipleship with younger women, um, is so important because, uh, nobody taught me how to have a relationship with God, what the Bible meant for me. Like I didn't really understand how to cling to God's word in times that I was desperate. And Mm. so until I was faced in desperation, I was like, well, now what? Yeah. So I think I moved back in with my dad and I just, I kind of was like, 
God just went back on the back burner. I wasn't like on fire for Jesus or anything. I was like in the middle of just chaos again. And I was, uh, I had, I have six brothers and three sisters that are all like step and half and we're all combined and we're all living under one roof having tater tot casserole. And I'm like, I'm just in, I'm never seen like, I'm always just the left behind. And, um, so I just went back to that, that like, like I was like, I just believed the lie that I was alone. And, um, so I still struggled. Um, I would say whenever I was 18, um, I joined a church and met my first mentor. I'm so grateful for her. Um, she taught me, um, she was like, oh yeah, the scripture actually changes your life. <laughs> like you actually live like you believe it. And I was like, no way. She was like, true story. <laughs> so she taught me how to pray and how to, how to really like study the, study the Bible. And um, I, w- I became a worship leader and a small group leader. And like, I started serving in the local church, which is like, literally so important just mm-hmm. by the way mm-hmm. and it literally changed my life i was like oh so loving jesus is like outward <laughs> it's not just about like how i feel mm-hmm. it's like we we do stuff differently when we love god and so that really changed my life i went to bible college i dropped out but i did go <laughs> for a year <laughs> and i just think that that deserves some kind of recognition 100 yes <laughs> and i went to bible college and i learned a lot um and uh, and then, yeah, I think when I was, when I was 21 was the first time I ever said that I'm addicted to porn out loud. It was to my, one of my best friends in Bible college, her name's Bethany. And we were just sitting, we weren't having like a deep live talk or anything. We were just sitting in the, in the dorm and we were listening to music and the song come out of hiding by Stephanie Gretzinger came on. And it was all about how like God was waiting for you. Um, he already knew the truth. He just wanted you to say it. And so I was like, I'm addicted to porn. And Bethany was like, okay, how can I support you? And I was like, mm. you don't think I'm gross? And mm. she was like, no. I was like, oh. So that was like the, that, I really think 21, 22, like humongous, formative, like transformative years of my life where I just was in therapy and regeneration and just really like just confessing uh, all the sin, just mm. throwing it all up and trying to get it out. Um, and really hugely formative years of my life where I was like, okay, I want to actually walk with God. And whenever you want to walk with God, it means you have to die. You have to, you have to die to yourself, but you also have to confess your sin, not only just to God, but to each other, like to be healed, you confess to each other. So I started like just being really honest about who I was instead of trying to pretend that I like had it all together. And I was this amazing Christian girl. I would just post scripture on my Facebook, but not live like I believed it. So um, that was really hugely transformative to learn like, oh, you confess in and, um, that's how you like walk hand in hand with the Lord. Mm. So those were huge years in my life. And then um, I uh, knew I was called to ministry from the day I was saved, but I never wanted to do it. <laughs> Cause I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. still, I sometimes think that I'm like, that is a lot of pressure, but um, I kind of ignored the call for a while until uh, I started attending a church and serving in their student ministry, serving on the worship team and just kind of getting my hands into different things and realized I really want to go into ministry. I really want to serve God this way, but I don't know where to go. So I did their internship program, their residency program, and I got to put my dip my toes in like a ton of different things and realized like God has made me this super creative brain person that just has like all of these creative ideas up here and he wanted to use them. So I started doing social media at the church I worked at. And that was really my first like experience in ministry. I was a social media manager and um just learn so much about dying to yourself when you're on a team of people and you're an eight on the Enneagram. It is just absolutely miserable. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I loved it. And that's whenever I really started doing ministry and like getting involved and actually like the first time I shared my story from on stage was in 2017. And from then it was like, God was like, just catapulted mm. me into the world. You know, I find it um, interesting and intriguing as you're talking, you've listed a bunch of things that that I think are like monumental to people growing in their faith. And you talked about discipleship and you talked about serving. And yeah. I think that as we read even the gospels with Jesus, we see that actually modeled out is that Jesus is constantly yeah. discipling, obviously. And then those disciples are discipling and it's just a ripple effect. And obviously the like, you know, biggest thing Jesus did was he came to serve. And we see that that's even, we look at the, the, we look at acts and they talk about what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? They're serving all around it. And so I think that's interesting to talk about how following Jesus at 16, yes, you knew that you needed a savior. You knew all these things, but it was really the transformation started to take place when you jumped in and were being discipled, which then led to you discipled Mm -hmm. and also lead to you serving. I want to ask you now you're 30, that was 16, that was 21. We've got 11 years in on here. Um, what does that look like for you today? That discipleship aspect and that serving aspect? Um, well right now, I think like one one of my biggest, uh, passions and just desires is the next generation. I love students. I think I always make the joke. I'm going to do student ministry till I'm 75 and everyone always laughs. I'm like, you won't be laughing when I'm uh, literally with my Walker coming in, like trying to join the, the praise team in the mosh pit. So I, um, I love students and I always have loved students and the Lord has really given me the gift of connecting to them. And so I always knew I wanted to serve in, in that capacity. Um, but I don't know, there's like this pressure that comes along. I think a lot of us think like, well, I have to have it all together before I serve in student ministry because I'm supposed to teach them stuff. And how am I supposed to teach them stuff if I'm struggling? And there's like this weird thing that you, this battle you have inwardly. Uh, I'm grateful for scripture that tells us that none of us will arrive until the day we meet Jesus, because that's my encouragement and my support there is I'm like, I can do this because God is great in me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I pray that the students always see him before they see anything else. And so, um, I love discipling and I joined, um, a new church after being out for a while. Um, I joined a new church and I, um, I started serving in student ministry and I joined a small group. And so face-to-face discipleship for me, one of my um, favorite people I ever served under, um, he was a youth pastor. He said, find your three, build your 12 when it comes to discipleship. And so find your three, have three that are just super close connections that you're face-to-face like discipling and you're doing the hard work with and build your 12, 12 people that you're like you're still teaching the rules of discipleship and you're still uh, meeting with these people, like in a, in a large group setting and you're still, they're still learning, but then you're, you find those three and then you teach those three how to, how to go find their three. Mm. And then they find their three. And then you got, it's like, basically I hope that like my prayer is that discipling, we just take over the world. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to disciple you. And then you're going to go disciple her. And then you're going to disciple her and everyone's going to be discipled. Yeah. But it's the um, ripple effect. I think that the ripple effect of that is so it's, it's powerful. And so I serve in student ministry. I love student ministry. Um, and then I serve in our young adult ministry. I just like, am kind of around as a person, like if anybody needs prayer or whatever, just to chat, like I'm kind of just around for that. I set up and tear down like nothing glamorous, but doing those things 
is serving in the church and discipling are just two of one of, I think two of the most important things we can do with our time um, to be connected to a local church. And it's, you know, with people like, like us who travel a lot and we're speaking and we're doing ministry and we're going and we're on this stage and, and this conference and this conference, it's like, there has to be a home base. That's my place. These are, this is my place and my people and they know me and they pray for me and I can go and I can go into this place and I can be known by these people. And it is like, there's just something so powerful about being connected to the local church and serving in that. And um, I think that student ministries, yeah, it's like my favorite thing in the entire world. Um, And then discipleship face-to-face looks like praying and asking the Lord, whoever you put in front of me, can you make it clear that this is who I'm going to, I need to disciple them. And I'll be having all these, I have all these coffee dates and God will just give me that this is it. And I'm like, mm. okay. And then I'm like, so do you want to meet again and, and again and again and again? And um, and then I just do it. Like one of my friends, Abby, the other day, I discipled her when she was really young. And now she's like a missionary in Tokyo. She's incredible. But she and I were sitting down. And she goes, it was always so weird to me that you were just in Rockwall, which is my hometown. She's like, you were just this like lone discipler. She's like, you would just like literally meet girls for coffee and just disciple them. She was like, I always was like, where did she come from? And what is she doing? <laughs> and she's like, how are you doing that? I was like, I don't know. It's what <laughs> you're doing. Discipler. <laughs> I love it so much. You know, I was thinking about your nanny. I, I'm just going to be thinking about your nanny all day today, by the way. Um, Me too. Yeah. But I think like when she showed you that journal, I keep going back to it. I know. But yeah. when she showed you that journal, when you were still in utero in your mom's belly. Yeah. And then she shared the gospel with you when you were 16. And it makes me just think as people are listening and they have people in their lives, family members, like you even said, I pray that my brothers know the Lord. And that is sometimes a yearning of our heart that takes years and years and years. And your nanny Mm -hmm. watched for 16 years, what you went Mm -hmm. through, what you endured, all the things still clinging to a promise that God Mm -hmm. had declared to her 16 years earlier than that. I hope that even remembering how long it took for your grandmother, that that's encouraging for our listeners. And I hope it's encouraging for you, Lacey, as you even said, like, I'm praying that my brothers come to know the Lord, you know, and that that Mm -hmm. time is not in our timetable, it's in the Lord's. But I want to ask you this, because I think a lot of listeners struggle with this. You were hurt by people who said they love Jesus, Um, you know, specifically having to say the Lord's prayer every night, while also seeing that same person leading you physically abused. How did you reconcile, I'm going to follow God, even though people who said they followed God had hurt me? Because I think a lot of people get stuck there, Mm -hmm. hung up there. Understandably, we can all empathize with that, right? Mm -hmm. But what was it for you that allowed you to separate the people of God from God? You know, I, I love that question. And it's a hard question. It's a hard topic to even talk about. And it's very sensitive. And so I want to be sensitive to the listeners and not say something like, I love, like, I trust my faith is in God and not in the people. I don't want to say anything that would like sweep it under the rug because the hurt that I've experienced that other people listening have experienced is very real, very valid, and can be very traumatizing. Um, But I think that's something that's so important to me. Like a lot of, I make TikToks and my content um, draws a lot of unbelievers, ex-evangelicals, deconstructing people. And I invite it. I'm like, come come one, come all to see the show. And I get a lot of comments. And yesterday I got a comment that said, people like this are what made me leave the church and eventually lose my faith in God. And um, it's like, I wanted to reply and be like, I can totally relate to that, you know, because I can. And you see people that... Um, 
that don't reflect the heart of God in leadership positions who have caused uh, horrible pain. I also experienced that um, in just a few years ago as well, um, leaving a church. And so um, you see things like that. And I think our initial response is like to brush it off and be like, okay, well, it's okay. We're all sinners and we're all, um, you know, and it's okay that we're not perfect, um, which those things are true. Um, and that God is perfect, which those things are true. But the reality, I think, of the situation is in any relationship you go into, you are inviting hurt into your life. Mm. So any 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 time I leave the house, I am I'm inviting myself to be hurt or disappointed because everywhere we go, it's like the world is just a sinful disaster of a place a lot of the time. Mm. And the church should be different, but a lot of times it isn't because it's a bunch of sinful people getting under one roof, trying to love God well and serve him well. Mm. And I think that, um, I guess my, my thought process and how I've, how I've been processing it, even over the last few years is, um, I remember being in my living room on the floor and I told God, this was like three years ago, told God, I'm done with you and I'm done with your church and I'm never going back. And God, I think he just probably laughed and was like, okay, we'll see. Uh, but in that moment, those pain, that was real to me. I was like, mm-hmm. I am not going back to church. I don't want to go. Um, and I think that um, over the the year, next year and a half, God would reveal himself to me in really small uh, ways and small things that would happen. I would hear his voice. And one of my favorite artists, his name is Anthony Garola. He said to wrestle with God is to still be in his hands. Mm. And I love that because whenever we're wrestling with the hurt that's been caused within the institution of the church by people who have claimed the name of Jesus, when we're wrestling with that uh, and we're angry with God or we're angry with those people, we're still close enough Mm. in proximity. And so my encouragement and I guess what really healed me was knowing that I was close enough to God to be mad at him. And that he wasn't afraid of those things. God wasn't afraid of my anger. He wasn't afraid of my doubts. He wasn't afraid of the questions that I had. He embraced them and embraced me. Mm. And I just remember being on my face and telling God, like, I, I can't, I, I can't do this. I'm so angry. These people, these people, he's like, I love you. He's like, in, in Lamentations, it's like, yet yeah, this I call to mind and I dare to believe. I dare to hope. It's like, in, in Lamentations 3, it's like, I remember the bitterness and the wormwood and the depression. If the story stopped there, it would be utterly hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. But it keeps going. He said, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I dare to believe. I dare to hope that the faithful love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in my life personally, still to this day, you know, we battle. We're inviting, joining a new church, you're inviting, you're inviting disappointment, mm-hmm. and you're inviting, but you're also inviting community and these deep, deep godly relationships and this stuff. And you choose, is it worth it to be hurt? And the answer for me is yes. Mm. It's worth it to be disappointed by a believer, to be able to be surrounded by many Mm. and to be able to be in the body of Christ. It's like, there is nothing like knowing that people are praying for you and that they love you and that they see your flaws and that they're open to your hurt and that they, they'll still come alongside you. They'll disappoint you. And of course they'll upset you. But this, I call to mind. I'm like, what can I call to mind about the faithfulness of God? And I can believe that about him when I can't believe that about his people. Thank you for that encouragement. And I know that that encouragement comes from a place of understanding because it is your story as well. And um, thank you for not saying like, it. It just love God and keep going because it's harder than that. It's more nuanced than that. Lacey, I am 
beyond honored to have you on my show today. And I am so grateful that even though I ghosted you, you still let me have a second chance (laughs) and that you still took me in to your friendship (laughs) and you didn't throw me out as the trash. Never, never. Um, Lacey, I'd love to hear from you. What are you reading these days? What are you loving? What's exciting you? So, um, I am reading, um, well, I haven't started reading it yet. I just got a new book yesterday, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I have that book Tyler too. Shine. Okay. I just got it yesterday. So I'm about to start reading that. Okay. Super excited about that read for sure. Um, and, uh, I'm studying Matthew. So I'm doing like a gospels study with people. So yesterday I studied three chapters of Matthew and I was, if you guys saw me in a coffee shop in Dallas crying, it was because I was reading the crucifixion of Jesus. And and I I had to keep going to chapter 28 because I was like, I can't leave on this. I'm so upset. So uh, I am studying the book of Matthew. We just finished and we're about to start a study in James um, with my small group youth students. So that's kind of what we're doing. I love it so much. I just started, even though this is not new, she's been doing this since the beginning of the year, listening to Annie F. Downs uh, read through the gospels. And, um, every month she reads through all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in a different translation. And so, um, so cool. I know. So I listened to that on my walks, um, when I'm out and about and I'm just like, oh, it's getting it in and Uh, it's, you know, different than sitting down and reading Lacey. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I'm appreciate it. I am uh, so grateful for nanny and, um, And she's with Jesus and golly, she'd be so proud of you right now. I just, thank you. She, she'd probably get on TikTok just to, just to follow you and, um, and leave you great comments. I can't, I can't. Not my nanny on TikTok. Okay. Guys, if you are on TikTok, you need to go follow Lacey because that's where you do some great content. And I, I'm not even on TikTok. I need to go follow you. We've had this discussion offline before. I need to get on TikTok, but we I have. don't want to, but anyhow. That is a different subject for a different day. Uh, Lacey, I really appreciate you. Thank you. I really appreciate you. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. 